Have you ever been right about something, but really, really, really wished that you had been wrong? That's how I feel right now. I have been writing, preaching, teaching, prophesying, uh, warning from the top of my lungs for as long as I can remember, at least six years now, maybe eight, talking about how the next cultural sexual revolution that's coming for your children is going to be pedophilia. It's going to be normalized. It's going to be accepted. It's going to be excused. It's going to become the next mainstream, the next mainstream issue that our culture takes up, pulls it into the banner of, of rights and dignity and so forth. And, and here we are, we're on the the verge of this happening. It, in fact, it is happening kind of under the radar, but it's starting to, to bleed out to where the quiet things are being said out loud now. The things that they're not supposed to say in public are, are starting to be said more and more. I, I wrote about it not too long ago at Apostolic Voice, RyanAFrench.com, and I titled the article the death of reverence. And I really wasn't talking about the sexual revolution or anything like that. I was, I was really talking about the growing divide in our culture regarding secularism and, and religiosity and the, the growing animosity from the evolutionary crowd uh, towards Christianity specifically, because if you look at the Muslim culture, for example, Atheists don't have the same venom towards the Muslim culture they have towards Christianity, which I find, which I find fascinating. Uh, and, and so I was looking at that and I was looking at the fallout that comes from belief in evolution and the fallout that comes from the belief, well, not having a belief in God, or at least not, at least not acknowledging a belief in God. And all of the things that that does to a culture, some of it's intentional, some of it's unintentional, and how it destroys people's moral underpinnings, it destroys the way people think, the way they learn. And uh, this was an, an interesting article, and, and right in the middle of that, I, I just felt to jump back on this bandwagon I've been on for a long time. And, uh, and I was talking about uh, maps, what they are now calling minor attracted persons, minor attracted persons, the acronym being MAP or MAPS. And at the time when I wrote about it, it's because the popular TED Talk organization had released uh, a talk called Why Our Perception of Pedophilia Has to Change. And of course, there was, thankfully, there was an uproar from people who thought this was disgusting and TED Talks pulled it down and you couldn't find it after that. And they act like, oh my goodness. Again, an example, the quiet parts were said out loud. People weren't quite ready for it, but they know just like they did with homosexuality. If they, if they just keep pushing it out there little by little, eventually people's outrage will, will soften. It will become so normal People will have heard it so many times that they'll lose interest, they'll lose their, their outrage, they'll lose their concern, and this is what they're counting on. They're, they're using the exact same strategy that they used 
to promote and push homosexuality in the culture. They're just doing it a little slower. And this is what's happening. The maps are coming out and they're starting to talk about it. The internet right now is filled with maps going public, beginning their sexual revolution. And it's scary. And I, I really don't recommend you Google it because you come across so much disgusting stuff. Uh, but they, they're out there. They're not, they're not being quiet. And, and so much of, of how secular culture is looking at maps is becoming more and more favorable. So I was just reading, and I won't bore you with the details because I'm going to play a video for you in a second. Of course, you're only going to hear the audio, but I'm going to play the audio of a song that the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir. Now, I don't understand why you can be a gay men's choir. That seems... That seems like it's unfair to everyone else, but can you imagine if there was the straight men's choir, but there's a gay men's choir in San Francisco or chorus, they call themselves, and and they wrote a song and they called it literally, get ready for this, We're Coming for Your Children. That's what the song is called. We're Coming for Your Children. I'm going to play it in just a few moments because I have been saying this. When you hear the song, it's going to shock you. If you watch it as an apostolic, if you have the Holy Ghost, if you watch the video and you look at the expressions on their faces, uh, it's it's scary. There's there's some demonic activity happening in this. And uh, now you can't watch it because they've taken it down. There was an uproar. Thank God. They took it down. And of course, now they're saying this was all tongue in cheek. This was all, we were just kidding. We're just playing around. Have you ever... Have you ever had someone say something kind of mean to you? And then they say, oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're supposed to believe that, but you know that's bogus. That's exactly what's going on here. Uh, this song, they meant every word of this song. Now, they might have done it in a format that they thought was humorous, but they meant every word of this song. And I, I don't have the entire audio. You can't get the entire audio anymore. It's gone. Um, and my thoughts are jumping all around today. But this reminds me of something that I've wanted to throw out there for, for some of you to be thinking of. I was recently researching for a sermon that I preached at my church uh, about homosexuality. I really felt the Lord uh, pushing me to preach an entire sermon, pushing against uh, the spirit of homosexuality, uh, and and I, I prayed, I said, Lord, I want to do this with a kind spirit. I don't want this to be some mean-spirited sermon. I just want to preach your word. I want to preach your heartbeat. I want to do it with love, and I want to let people know they can be delivered. But I also want to let people know that we have to be careful with this spirit. We can't be playing games with this spirit. And as I was preparing for that sermon, I got on Google, and maybe a listener out there could give me uh, a suggestion for another search engine to go to. I've heard people say Bing is better than Google, but, uh, and we know most, most people know that Google has a very uh, anti-traditional lifestyle stance. They're a very liberal organization. And so I was just typing in negative things that homosexuals have said about Christianity. Cause I, I've read it thousands of times. I've, I've come across those things and I know they're out there, but I could not find a single article. Google would not allow a single article to come up 
that had any negative content or something that would paint homosexuals in a mean or unkind or unfriendly light. Instead, what I got was the exact opposite of what I asked for. I got all kinds of articles about nasty things that Christians have said about homosexuals. So, this, among other things, causes me to have great distrust for Google, great distrust for YouTube, because they're manipulating and controlling the conversation. They hide things from you they don't want you to see, and they only allow you to see. Sometimes they force things on you that you don't that you're not even looking for, you didn't even ask for. And so it's no longer become really a tool as much as it has become an indoctrination technique. And so I'm leery of Google. I'm currently looking for some kind of alternative to it that that is good. Probably some of you have a suggestion. Please shoot it at me, uh, Rye Frenchie at Twitter. Uh, shoot at me, uh, Ryan and Taylor French at Facebook, or you can email me at ryanafrench.com. I'd love to hear uh, some suggestions for that. But uh, so I'm looking through all of this. I can't find anything about the homosexual community, but what I did find was all kinds of scientific articles written about maps, minorly attracted persons, minor attracted persons, and basically trying to retrain. In fact, one article was called, we've got to retrain the way people think about pedophilia. The idea being that we need to now have an understanding and a compassion and a kindness and all of this. And one of the first ways that's going to be pushed on us is trying to lower ages of consent and things like that, moving it from 18 to 16. And uh, in some states, there's even been lots of talk about moving it down to 14 and 13. God help us. This is disgusting. We've got to be on guard. We've got to be thinking about these things. We've got to be praying about these things. And we have to remain vigilant in this battle because this is the spirit of the last days and we're going to be fighting this battle till Jesus comes. They are coming for our children. I'm going to play the video right after this break and you need to get it. You need to get it. You need to know this is happening. You need to put a shield of protection around your home, around your children, around your family. You need to be praying about these things and we're going to jump into it for a moment here. Thank you for being at Apostolic Voice, the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Once again, I'm glad you're here at Apostolic Voice, the podcast, and I do want to encourage you to jump over to iTunes or especially iTunes, but if you listen on a different format, uh, go and give us a review, say something nice about us, give us five stars. In fact, the most important thing you can do is give us the five stars. Uh, the review doesn't have to be long. If you just get on there and say, hey, great program, love it, that's more than enough, but what happens is iTunes is really strange the way they do the algorithms and the way they uh, make shows visible, uh, podcasts specifically. If, if you don't have, you may have, you know, 3,000 five-star ratings, but if you don't have any written reviews, then they push you down and make it hard for you to find. So give us five stars. That's the acceptable number. Anything less is unacceptable. Five stars and just say, you know, great program. Or you can say something long if you want to, if you feel a 
like writing a book, that's great too. We read every single one of them. We appreciate it and encourages us. It encourages me. And I'm very thankful for everyone who's listening. Also, uh, you can support the program by sharing us on your socials, whatever that is. I'm not much of an Instagrammer. My wife is, but uh, I'm, I'm at that age where Facebook is my primary uh, and that dates me, I know, but Facebook is my primary social media. I do use that. Uh, if you're on there, share us. Please share us. Tag us so we know you did it, so we can say thank you. Uh, we do have a, a dedicated uh, page for Apostolic Voice at Facebook. And also, you can financially support us by giving as little as 99 cents a month. You can give as much as nine ninety nine per month. And you can do that by going to anchor.fm forward slash apostolic voice forward slash support. That link is in whatever uh, podcast platform you're using to listen to this right now. You can click that link in there. Uh, You can find it by going to my website, ryanafrench.com. And uh, we do appreciate, we have quite a few supporters and I'm thankful for each and every one of you. It helps keep us going. There are a lot of expenses that go into this. Uh, We're not trying to make money, but we do Uh, want to be able to continue and be as excellent as we possibly can. All right, I'm going to play this video slash audio clip by the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. It's called We're Coming for Your Children. Here we go. We'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Okay, I'm going to start that over because I want you to catch the very first part. He says, uh, hang on, let's listen to it together. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked? Yep, we do. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We know. We'll convert your children. Nope. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. We're coming for your children. Okay, that's disgusting. And that's just a small clip. You can't even find the whole thing anymore, but that's that's uh, pretty terrifying right there all by itself. They are coming for our children. And uh, it's been a theme of this program, uh, reminding us that that we have to be vigilant, that we have to be watching, we have to be paying attention to the culture, because the culture is paying attention to us. Specifically, the culture is paying attention to our children. They know that our children are the most vulnerable among us. They can affect their minds. They get them in the education systems. They uh, they find all kinds of ways. And, and really, in the, there are the entertainment systems of our culture, uh, I know that people get squirmy when you start attacking their their entertainment, but I just want you to know, uh, I, there, there was a deal the other day, someone in my church came to me and was saying, we we're just letting our kids watch Blue's Clues, Blue's Clues. Some of you may or may not be familiar with that, but just a really silly, what I would have thought of as an incredibly clean little program for kids, just silly little songs and learning how to brush your teeth and things like that. But the the main uh, guy in Blues Cruise singing an entire song about having two moms and two dads and 
uh, and a, a little boy wanting to be a little girl. And so this is very scary stuff because what that tells me is they are, they're trying to indoctrinate their chi- our children when they're two and three and four and five years old. This is sick stuff. Part of the American dream and the American culture is our right to religious freedom and our right to parent our children according to those religious views. And so I, as a parent, have the right to protect my child. Now, they know this and they hate this. This is why they come against religious freedom in such a strong way and freedom in general. Because as long as Americans have the freedom to say no, I'm not exposing my kids to these things. No, I'm not going to let my kids think about things like this when they're six and seven and eight years old. We're going we're gonna to guard them from these things. And even beyond that, when we do talk to them about these things, which we have to do, for culture forces us to do it. But when we do talk to our children about these things, we're going to do it from a Judeo-Christian perspective. We're going to do it from the word of God. And we're going, to, we're going to expose them to the truth of God's word, and we're going to teach them to be loving and kind to everyone, but there is a right, there is a wrong, there's moral, there's immoral, there's godly, there's ungodly. We're going to teach our kids these things. And I defy anyone who tells me that I don't have a right as an American to do this and to teach my children what is correct and what is incorrect. My kids are older now, I say older, 13 and 11 is is not really old, but they're at the age where we have had to have some conversations about these things. I don't remember having to have conversations like this when I was 11 with my parents because it was just a different world. It was just, it was all kind of beginning, but we live in a world now where if your kids are 10, 11, 12, you probably need to be having some kind of conversations with them about these things because they're, they're exposed to it. And so we've got to keep this in mind. I'm going to play it one more time just because some of you still aren't sure if it actually happened, but I want you to hear this song. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked? Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. We're coming for your children. All right, there you have it. I want to read this article to you from the UK Daily Mail. It's kind of scary how the UK Daily Mail uh, winds up being a little bit more trustworthy than our American media, and and they really tackle some things that American media runs from. But here's the title of this article, Outrage as Pedophiles Rebrand Themselves as Minor Attracted Persons in Chilling Online Propaganda Drive. Britain's most notorious child sex offenders are using mainstream websites such as YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram to rebrand pedophilia as a harmless sexual preference. An investigation for the mail on Sunday is found. Hundreds of disturbing accounts are being set up every day. Did y'all catch that? Hundreds of disturbing accounts are being set up every day, which refer to both potential and prolific abusers as maps, minor attracted persons, to to escape the stigma attached to the word pedophile. This, by the way, is the way these things always happen. 
just change the just change the language, just change the word because words matter and they know that. And uh, so change it from homosexuality to gay or queer or something of that nature. Take the rainbow, rebrand it. This is what they always do. And uh, people begin to to think of it differently. They know this. So LGBT style slogans such as map pride and map positivity are seen as an attempt to cast pedophilia as part of society's wider move towards sexual liberation. Catch that. Material found online includes names and memes proclaiming gay maps are amazing and cartoon characters saying, repost if you think maps should be able to date minors. Interesting, they're using cartoon characters. One pedophile account at Minerva since suspended posted, minor attraction is natural. Profiles of the anonymous users, which use cartoon avatars rather than photographs, of course, often list the ages of children they are most attracted to, in some cases as low as seven and two. Otep Shemaya, a gay rights campaigner, said, they're a fiendish group of subhumans and they'll find no haven in the LGBTQ community. We utterly rebuke their delusional and evil claims. This is good. However, that's in Great Britain, in the United States of America, in our recent Gay Pride Month that we've just uh, that we've just come through, uh, the the head of the American uh, side of the LGBTQ community, at least the the part that does the marches, came out and said that they they have sympathy for the maps in their community and are looking at ways to be more inclusive of them, although carefully. That's pretty terrifying. So. Back to this article. The horrifying propaganda has chilling echoes of the pedophilia information exchange called PI in the 1970s and 80s, which piggybacked on the gay liberation movement to push for pro-child abuse policies, such as lowering the age of consent to just four years old. It was disbanded in 1984, but the Mail on Sunday has learned that its former chairman, Tom O'Carroll, Britain's most notorious pedophile campaigner, continues to use online forums to argue for the legalization of pedophilia. In one interview, which YouTube has refused to take down, I want you to catch this. Even today, you can go find this interview because YouTube will not take it down. This program has been taken off YouTube. One specific episode was removed from YouTube because it said we violated its user policies and all we did was say that homosexuality is a sin. In one interview, which YouTube has refused to take down, O'Carroll 75 argues that a sexual relationship between an adult and child is as natural as a mother's relationship with her baby. O'Carroll was given a two-year jail term a two-year jail term child pornography for child pornography offenses in 2006, pardon me, and joined the Labor Party in 2015, but was ousted a year later for being a safeguarding risk. As well as YouTube, he has campaigned to legalize sex with children on his WordPress blog. This is terrifying, and it's aimed at children. Uh, and of course, they're coming for parents because parents are standing against these things, standing against Christians because Christians really are, really are standing in the gap for this. I wanted to go back. I know I'm bouncing around so much today. Uh, I wanted to go back to this sermon that I preached at my church. I was telling you about it. The Lord is really dealing with me to preach against homosexuality. And the strangest thing happened. I was getting ready to, to 
go up to the pulpit and I looked out across the congregation. We were very full that morning. And right in the front was a woman with uh, a butch haircut, you know, shaved head, uh, dyed, dyed white. And she was wearing, I'm not kidding. I'm telling this has never happened in, in my entire ministry. I've, I've preached many, many places, including all over California. Never had this happen. It was gay pride month. It was the last Sunday of the gay pride month. And I looked out and she was literally wearing the gay pride flag. It was her dress. She was wearing it. And it was clear that that's what it was intended to be. And it was clear that she had a, a spirit of lesbianism on her while I was preaching. It absolutely shocked me. I could feel the pushback in the spirit realm, but it did let me know that I was in the will of God. And I'm thankful I, that woman did come and pray in the altar. And I, I feel like the Lord touched her. And, and I believe, now here's the thing, the reason I'm bringing this up, no one was unkind to her. Uh, I was very kind to her. I believe God can deliver her. I believe God can set her free and she can walk in the spirit. I believe that she can live a happy, productive life, that God can use her in a great way. She'll surrender her heart and mind to the Lord. But usually what Christians, the way we're attacked when we try to preach about this issue or even this program today will be attacked because we're called hateful or what the MAPS community is saying, they're doing the same thing the gay community said, that you have to accept them because if you don't accept them, you're promoting bullying them. And uh, it is tragic. It's true. Uh, transgender, homosexuals, uh, they, they are bullied. And uh, research shows this to be true. But, but here's, here's the deal. Christians already believe firmly from the word of God that we should not be bullying people or harming people. I don't know any Christians that are bullying homosexuals or bullying transgender people. And the lie that they want you to believe or the misconception is that if you believe it's wrong, you are consenting to bullying. This isn't true. I believe that adultery is wrong, but I don't believe we should bully adulterers. Adultery has harmed my life. I've been uh, a victim of adultery in my life. And, and I know how painful it is, but I don't believe in harming physically an adulterer. I believe in forgiveness. I believe in grace. I believe in the power of God. I believe God loves us enough that we can come to him as we are with all our flaws and sins, but God can forgive and deliver and set free. And God won't, won't make you leave the way you came. If you leave the way you came to God, it's because you decided to. If you ask God to change you, he will change you. If you ask God to deliver you, he will deliver you. The only way you'll leave unchanged is if you decide to leave unchanged. And so don't, don't buy into this little trick of the enemy that, that you have to be accepting of a lifestyle or you're now promoting bullying. That's not the case. The people that are bullying out there are not Christians. They're not true Christians. And we can stand against bullying and stand against homosexuality, pedophilia, and transgenderism at the same time. We can do it with love, but we can do it with dignity and we can do it with authority. And I believe that we absolutely must do it as we're moving in closer and closer to the return of the Lord.
All right, I want to give you an encouraging thought moving out of all of that. I know that that can be, I don't know, just it's heavy. I know it's heavy. You're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about the culture, and it's hard to face it head on. But I wanted to to give you a thought that I think is one of the most encouraging, life-changing thoughts that you can have. I know that has been for me personally when the Lord gave me this revelation uh, it just, it changed the way I view every situation. And I'm going to give it to you this way. God has two goals in every situation, two goals in every situation. I'm going to tell you what they are in just a minute. But first I want to read first Peter five ten to you and verse 11, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. A few more scriptures for you as I'm setting you up for the answer here. For, for the two goals in every situation, whatever it is in life, whether it's a good situation, whether it's a hard situation, whether it's a terrifying situation, whatever it is, God always has two main goals, two main priorities. And when you know what they are and when you apply them, it's powerful. Look at Isaiah 48 and 9. For my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for my praise will I refrain for thee. This is God speaking. That I cut thee not off. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction for mine own sake. Even for mine own sake will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. God was saying to the Israelites, even though you've done wrong, I've purified you through fire, through the fire of affliction, so that I could draw you back to me because I'm not going to, lose my people. I'm not going to keep from refining my people because I'm not going to allow my glory to be polluted. I'm not going to allow other nations to look at my people and say, see, their God wasn't able to deliver them even from themselves. And so I delivered you from yourself through the furnace of affliction. And God said it this way. He said, I didn't do it for you. I did it for my glory. God's serious about his glory. To prove it to you, I want to look at Acts 12, 21 through 23. This is the English Standard Version, and it's, it's really amazing when you look at it. We ignore these New Testament passages a lot. For example, Ananias and Sapphira. You don't hear a lot about them in, in modern preaching because people want to view God, the God of the Old Testament as being somehow different from the God of the New Testament. But God's still serious in the New Testament. And here's what happened in Acts 12. On an appointed day, Herod, remember him, he was trying to kill Jesus, put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Hey, guys, God is serious about his glory. God's not playing games with this glory. This, this guy, Herod, he didn't even ask the people to worship him as a God, but they did. 
And because he didn't say, hey, listen, that glory is not for me. That glory is for God. God had a death angel strike him down and he was eaten with worms, breathed his last. So here it is. God's two goals, God's two priorities in every single situation in your life. We just read it in all of these scriptures. If you go back and look at them, you'll see that this is played out and in many other passages passages of scripture. God's two goals are your good and his glory. Your good and his glory. That's always God's priority. I saw a quote the other day, I think it was on Twitter, it said this, thank God for every wave that sends me crashing into the rock of ages. Sometimes we go through things that seem so impossible, but when we know that God is working all things together for our good and also for his glory, it reminds us that if we allow the transitions and the difficulties of life to push us into God, we will come out on the other side victorious. I believe that with all of my heart. I know that when you go through a trial, when you go through a situation that seems as if you'll never get through it, I know that it's hard to imagine that you will ever be stronger. You feel like it's breaking you, but in reality, it's shaping you. You feel like it's destroying you, but in reality, it's settling you and perfecting you. And when you get out on the other side and you look back, you realize that God didn't just take things away from you, but he added things to you at the same time. There were things that were ripped out of your life and there were things that God placed into your life because he was perfecting you in the process. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're in a pit and your brothers just sold you into slavery. God is working all things together for your good. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter if you just got thrown into a fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar said, turn it up 10 times hotter than it's ever been. God is still working all things together for your good. It doesn't matter if the doctor just said cancer. God is still working all things together for your good. See, when you know that God's two greatest goals are your good and his glory, you can stand in front of a Red Sea and you can look behind you and see Pharaoh and his entire army coming. And you can say, I know that God is looking out for my good and he's looking out for his glory. And if that means he's got to part the sea and let me walk across on dry land, I know he's able and I know he will because he's working all things together for my good and his glory God's gonna get the glory I say God's gonna get the glory you wonder why sometimes you have to get into situations where it seems impossible and you're biting your nails and you're saying my God my God my God why hast thou forsaken me the reason you get in those situations is because God is working it for his glory and he's not gonna give you the glory he's not gonna give Emory Hospital the glory he's not gonna give your doctor with three PhDs the glory he's not giving your lawyer the glory God's gonna get the glory God's gonna get the glory God's gonna get the glory that's why it's so important 
that you pray like Moses and say things like, Lord, show me your glory. Because if you can position yourself where God is getting glory, if you can position yourself in a place where the Shekinah glory is shining like the morning sun, then you will be in a place of blessing. The Dead Sea is the lowest point on the planet. Did you know that? The Dead Sea is the lowest point on the planet. And you could go there today and if you were to get in the water, you literally, physically, now I I looked this up and it's true, you can Google it. You cannot sink in the Dead Sea because of its salt content. There's so much salt in the Dead Sea that you can lay in it and you'll just float there. And it's a testimony to us that in your lowest place, God is going to sustain you. When you get to the lowest point in your life and you feel like you're going to sink and you're never and you feel like I'm never going to get on the mountaintop again. I'm never going to see the Shekinah glory again. I'm never going to hear the voice of God again. You take faith and know that you will not sink. You will not die. You will not be destroyed because God is working all things together for your good and his glory. But I want you to know when God starts working things together for good and his glory, even death can't stop him. Even hell can't stop him. Every demon can't stop him. The 